Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's time for the playoffs. It's time to decide who's going to Vegas. Will it be Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City, or Buffalo coming out of the AFC? Is it going to be San Francisco, Dallas, Detroit even coming out of the NFC? Pick your two conference champions, parlay it, and remember, get your 50% welcome bonus on that first parlay using our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, when you use the link in the description to this episode at BetOnline Sportsbook. Bet online where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping on into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up. It's Wired Up episode 154 here on the Take It Easy podcast. I am thrilled to be along with you here today. My name's Kyle. This is the Take It Easy podcast. Y'all know how this thing works. We have all these fun, fantastic podcasts lined up all throughout the season, and now in year five of this fantabulous podcast, we have ourselves another postseason playoff wired up. We are coming at you on this wonderful Saturday, January 13th, going into Sunday, January 14th. Two playoff games are in the books. We have an embargo on Cleveland Browns talk on this podcast because of everything that revolved around that franchise with the sexual predator and ignoring them and at the end of these two years of ignoring that franchise and doing the best we can to just put them off to the side the Cleveland Browns laid an egg of all eggs with Joe Flacco as their starting quarterback and the Houston Texans get to advance to the next round of the playoffs so we're just gonna brush past the Cleveland Brown saga of the season. This might be the first time we've said Cleveland Brown on the podcast all season. We're going to brush past that Brown saga. We're going to leave them off to the side and not do. Uh, if you want some Cleveland Brown analysis, we will uh, link the episode with uh, hours worth of reporting that we've done around the Deshaun Watson uh, sexual predatory scandal that's gone on over the last three years we have detailed reporting that we've done 20 plus hours worth of it over the years if you want some Cleveland Browns analysis we're going to link you that podcast for any and all Cleveland Brown analysis that we will continue on the show for the next two years keeping up with our long-standing tradition of any Cleveland Brown analysis that we will give you being only the French only detailing the sexual assault cases following Deshaun Watson, the team who enabled and protected Deshaun Watson by trading for him and giving him a whole bunch of money and never ha- making him have to answer or repent for any of his decisions. Oh, and by the way, we also have the team that Deshaun Watson was enabled and protected playing for the first time in Houston being the team who has turned a corner and gotten back to beat them. So we'll talk about Houston once we have the playoff picture set 
in stone, but uh, for the time being, we'll just leave that game to the side and recognize Joe Flacco threw a bunch of pick sixes and any and all Cleveland Brown analysis for the season, we can direct you to the Deshaun Watson stories that we've done over the years. Okay, check that box off. Cleveland-Houston, that's our four-minute recap of that game. Now that we have that out of the way, Let's dive into those Kansas City Chiefs beating the crap out of the Miami Dolphins. Hit that music. Yeah, buddy, the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Miami Dolphins 26-7 in their wild card round. In the year that the Kansas City offense was not high-powered, if there were any year that there would be some questioning or debate about whether or not the Miami, uh, the Kansas City team was good enough to advance in the playoff, this would be the year to question that. And Kansas City came out and whooped some ass. Traveled to the red zone six times compared to the zero red zone trips that the Miami Dolphins had. Their lone touchdown in the game coming on a 52-yard touchdown that Tariq Hill beat Trent McDuffie deep. Trent McDuffie committed pass interference, and Tariq Hill still ended up catching it and scoring a touchdown. And uh, beyond that one play for Tariq Hill, which was a total busting coverage and a great play by Kansas City, other than that, Tariq Hill had four catches for nine yards being covered by Trent McDuffie, all-pro slot corner for Kansas City. And uniquely enough, the only piece of consequence that Kansas City got in the Tariq Hill trade, which we're going to talk about the the cold and, and some of the, the non-X's and O's nerdy football stuff, but I just want to start with the football stuff because what was so interesting and unique was that Tariq Hill versus Trent McDuffie was essentially Kansas City's game plan for slowing down the best singular offensive threat for any single team in the NFL like the most valuable offensive player to a team and what they do in the NFL is what Tariq Hill brings to the Miami Dolphins and it was so interesting that they went with that matchup because in London it was the same thing that Miami ran against Kansas City Miami finished with 10 points in this game they go Tariq Hill being shadowed by Trent McDuffie who is uh, made all pro as a slot corner, which I realized Trent McDuffie was having a really good season. I did not realize that Trent McDuffie was best slot corner in the NFL levels of good this year. I mean, obviously Marlon Humphrey is incredible in guarding the slot as well, but Marlon Humphrey got the the number got the original cornerback position, uh, the number two corner for outside, you know, non-slot corner. So obviously it makes sense there. And Marlon might be the best in the league at, at covering the slot. But what was so interesting was Tariq Hill versus the guy they essentially shipped out for Tariq Hill was the matchup that kind of dictated the entire offense for Miami. And granted, Jalen Waddell was trying to play hurt. Raheem Mostert was trying to play hurt. And Mostert gave them eight carries for 33 yards. He was the leading rusher in a game where Miami didn't really have any offensive output. But 
Tariq Hill was essentially the, the the golden goose in that offense. Everything they were doing was running through Tariq Hill. He ended up being their leader in targets and receptions in the game. He had their lone touchdown on a play where he beat Rashid, uh, he beat uh, Trent McDuffie deep. And it was so interesting to have those two pinned against each other because if you followed the path of the Tariq Hill trade from the Dolphins or from Kansas City to the Dolphins, Kansas City essentially got out of that trade. Tariq Hill, Sky Moore, an offensive lineman who hasn't played really at all because of injuries for Kansas City in the fifth round, and one of those picks they used to trade up for Rasheed Rice, which you could argue maybe is an added value play, but for the most part, they essentially got Sky Moore, who's been a non-factor this season for Kansas City. He was more of a factor in the Super Bowl season as a Kansas City receiver, but in the revolving door of receivers that Kansas City has, Sky Moore went on IR, and and that was about it for him this season. He wasn't really giving them much at the start of the year anyways, but what essentially it came down to was they flipped Tariq Hill for Trent McDuffie, had Trent McDuffie guarding Tariq Hill, regardless of when Tariq went in motion, they essentially said, hey, you are the number one corner, and Weirdly enough, Kansas City has two corners who made the Pro Bowl this year, if you count Legereus Sneed as well. But they essentially said Sneed will cover the tight end, Sneed will cover Waddle on the outside, will adjust and adapt based on whether we're running zone or blitz packages. But they essentially had McDuffie following Tariq Hill for most of the game, adding in safety help, asking Drew Tranquil sometimes to slide over and guard Tariq Hill when they ran the screen plays. It became a gang-tackling effort with Bolton and Tranquil and obviously McDuffie following. It was just really interesting to see the player that Kansas City traded Tariq Hill away for guarding Tariq Hill and, yes, holding him to four catches on nine yards the rest of the game, but also giving up that giant touchdown to Tariq Hill. And it's kind of emblematic of that trade at the end of it all because it could have gone down as one of the worst trades in the history of the NFL when you look at how Kansas City's offense has gone from an explosive-based offense to having to run precision-based, um, you know, very fine-point receiving, fine-point short routes, motion to get guys open in the middle of the field, one-on-ones with receivers that are being guarded one-on-one, even by teams that have subpar cornerback play. I mean, in this first half, when when Kansas City, it looked like they were in jeopardy of losing the game before, you know, it became clear the Dolphins weren't going to be able to get any offense going against Kansas City. When the game was in, in doubt, you had three dropped passes by Travis Kelsey. Uh, the touchdown that Rasheed Rice scored, the second one, got called back because of a block in the back by Juwan Taylor. Uh, there was that missed pass interference call where uh, they, they were holding on, I believe it was Hardman, and everyone knew it was a penalty and no one called it a penalty. Like, those little mistakes and those little, you know, drop... The same things we've been saying all year with Kansas City's offense. Dropped passes, receivers uh, not getting open in space, uh, penalties by Juwan Taylor in the offensive line missed calls if you want to go so far as to to whine about the missed calls that Kansas City has had all season. I will not be the Kansas City supporter who goes that far or the Mahomes supporter who goes that far to talk about the missed calls, but when they do happen, there is no response from Kansas City. The offense that when they first started with Mahomes, Tariq Hill, and Kelsey felt like they could convert third and eight 
to third and 12 like it was nothing. That offense doesn't exist anymore. It's it's fine point, it's precision, and that precision-based offense had the same problems that we saw all season with Kansas City that cost them games, dropped passes. Kelsey had three of them in the first half. The, the penalties that ended up taking away points off the board, whether by Jawan Taylor or someone else, a couple missed calls here and there, those were the same things that Kansas City's offense did not have responses to. It wasn't all that different from the beginning of the season, just they had infinitely more time to execute their offense. And, and where a team like Buffalo or Baltimore is going to have a tougher time, or, or I'm sorry, where Kansas City is going to have a tougher time against a Baltimore or a Buffalo is where they're going to be able to put pressure on the quarterback. Kansas City's going to miss on a couple of plays that they otherwise would have executed, and the end result is going to be, you know, probably a more contested game in Kansas City not running six red zone drives that early in the game. And so what I think is really, really interesting with the Tariq Hill trade is like that could have gone down as one of the worst of all time. You've taken away the explosive aspect aspect of the game from Kansas City they've invested significant draft capital into trying to fix that receiving room whether it was a second round pick on Sky Moore a third round pick on uh, Kadarius Toney giving up a a compensatory third rounder to acquire him the second round pick on Rasheed Rice Nicole Hardman bringing him back later on in the season signing Juju Smith-Schuster signing Marquez Valdez-Scantling trying everything they could to try and find competent receivers to put around Mahomes and bring back a level of explosiveness in the offense everything that could have gone wrong offensively for Kansas City is benefited by the defense being the best it has been in the Mahomes era six years of Mahomes this was their highest rated DVOA defense that they've ever had the closest was the Super Bowl team of 2019 that finished 10th in DVOA. This team finished 8th in DVOA. And the focal point of that was on display with Trent McDuffie and George Karloftis getting a set, uh, two sacks in that game as well. He was a first-round pick that came in handy in that same draft class that they took Trent McDuffie. But more specifically, McDuffie being the one who m- made or broke their defense when it was Tariq Hill dependent on offense for the Dolphins. It was so interesting to watch that happen in real time, and the Tariq Hill versus Trent McDuffie battle was so interesting considering they were traded for each other. And I'm just so interested and fascinated by that dynamic and that complex. It was so very interesting to watch in real time, and I just wanted to talk about that right off the bat with McDuffie uh, giving up the 54-yard touchdown, was the only offensive output the Dolphins found the entire game. Because, whoo boy, that Dolphin offense was stinky. Stinky in that game. The Dolphins began the game 0 for 7 on third down conversions. That was through the first three quarters of the game when the game still had a chance of winning. 0 for 7 on third down conversions. Four punts. One for two on the fourth down conversions. One of them, by the way, the failed fourth down conversion, a breakup by Trent McDuffie when the score was still 10-7. to Giant swing in the game when it looked like the Dolphins still had a chance to come back in that game. Broke up on the Kansas City side of the field by Trent McDuffie looking for Tariq Hill. One for two on fourth down conversions and the interception that Tua threw in the first quarter over the head of Jalen Waddell into the arms of Mike Edwards. That was on a third down. Failed third downs led to punts. 
Failed third downs led to a converted fourth down and a failed fourth down. It was bad for the Dolphins out there. Like I said earlier, Dolphins, zero trips to the red zone. Kansas City comparatively had six. The Dolphins' defense did not have answers for Kansas City because they could not get pressure. And this is just the simplest thing that we have said ever since Patrick Mahomes got into the league. Patrick Mahomes' gift, the thing that Patrick Mahomes does that gives him this great competitive advantage ever since he first got into the league, the great competitive advantage for Patrick Mahomes comes from Patrick Mahomes being able to buy more time in the pocket than any quarterback in the NFL and by virtue of having, or I'm sorry, more time in the backfield, doesn't necessarily have to be in the pocket, just using his athletic ability to give them more time than any other quarterback in the NFL. And if you have more time than any other quarterback in the NFL, you will have receivers who will be able to get open more frequently than any other team in the NFL and with a highly precise quarterback who also has a big arm, you are going to be able to have an offense that is top five in the NFL every single year that Patrick Mahomes has been in the league. And what was so interesting tonight was that we just went back to the basics of Patrick Mahomes from 2019 and 2020, which was they got no pressure on Patrick Mahomes. He averaged a full second more in the backfield from snap to throw than he had in his entire season average. So much time in the pocket to be able to execute. So much time buying plays. Uh, one of them, which was the the one fourth down that Kansas City converted, was the fourth and four when it was seventeen to uh, ten, and. It led to the field goal, but it should have been a touchdown because Rasheed Rice scored the touchdown and then Taylor got hit with the block in the back. And it was an unnecessary block in the back because it ended up being a touchdown anyways in the second quarter. Remember when Mahomes scrambled on fourth and four and went 31 yards and then scrambled later on in the game and the, the, the chip of his helmet flew off? Patrick Mahomes went through both of those runs having over five seconds in the backfield to execute those plays. And so from the Miami defensive side of the ball, the reason Kansas City was able to get to the red zone six times was they got no pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes took no sacks in the entire game, and the Dolphins ended up letting six drives go into the red zone. Four of them ended in field goals. Two of those field goals were self-inflicted mistakes by Kansas City, and it didn't even matter whether they kicked field goals or scored touchdowns. Because the Dolphins had zero trips to the red zone. And if you have zero and they have six, there's basically no way to come back from that no matter how many crazy fluke plays or deep explosive touchdowns you have in the game. It's just not going to work out for you. And so the Dolphin offense was was having a rough day. And the Dolphin defense was more explainable. I saw a, a tweet that Mina Kimes reposted that was basically saying... The Dolphins were missing five starters on one side of the ball, and based on the performance of the game, you weren't 100% sure which side of the ball was missing five starters. Because that offense at times looked worse than that defense for the Dolphins, and that's not saying a whole lot because the Dolphin defense was not playing good at all. No pressure on Mahomes. They were starting two players on on the defensive edge that they had signed within the last month. Melvin Ingram and Justin Houston, who they signed, I think, right before the last game of the season. Melvin Ingram and Justin Houston 
were the two edge rushers that were trying in in the Lord's year 2024. Melvin Ingram and Justin Houston were the edge rushers that the Dolphins were trying to throw at Kansas City. And by the way, the one really good pass rusher in there with Christian Wilkins, Christian Wilkins had a pretty good game. His I assume his PFF grades will look pretty good at the end of the game. Rushing-wise, Kansas City was not super effective. They had fewer yards uh Pacheco, sorry, Pacheco had fewer yards per carry than Mostert had during the game, and if not for Patrick Mahomes getting that 28-yarder on fourth down, their their rushing numbers would have been just as comparable to the Miami Dolphins' rushing numbers. Achan was totally ineffective, but you know who else was ineffective? Pacheco, Edwards-Hilaire. Christian Wilkins was playing great. His PFF grades are going to look fantastic. But he also had that dumb uh, uh, roughing the passer where he just pushed Patrick Mahomes down at the end, and it ended up leading to a touchdown, which the the game might have been over at that point. But regardless... That little uh, rough in the passer at the end uh, did not go the way of uh, of Christian Wilkins, and that might be the thing that people remember coming out of the game. But Christian Wilkins was great, man. The edge rushers were not, and there was only but so much they could do trying to catch Kansas City in that game. Also, cornerback-wise, just nothing for either guy. Rasheed Rice or Travis Kelsey. Over 50% of Mahomes' targets, by the way, went to either Rasheed Rice or Travis Kelsey, which is just the most telltale sign I can point to of, buddy, they they knew what was wrong this year. And when push came to shove in the playoffs, they they knew they knew what they were doing. <laughs> they said, it's Rasheed Rice, it's Kelsey, the rest of y'all were going to have to scheme open every now and again, but it was one catch for Noah Gray. One catch for Valdez Scantling. One catch for Richie James. Hardman, they tried to hit deep a couple times because Lord knows they weren't going to try and hit Valdez Scantling deep anymore. They they essentially said, if you ain't Rasheed Rice and you ain't Travis Kelsey, you are not getting the football. And they might have to be a little bit more creative against Baltimore because Baltimore can have Marlon Humphrey shadow Rasheed Rice if push comes to shove. But God damn It was a tough, tough performance for the rest of the... It was Kansas City essentially saying, look, it's those two guys and that's it. I have not... 50% of the offense, 50% of the passing game going through two players is like Miami Dolphins... I'm sorry, Philadelphia Eagle averages for a good portion of the season. That is wild out here wild how bad they have been up to this point uh the rest of those receivers and good and good for Kansas City for acknowledging that that was the case maybe they were able to do that more because they were playing against the Dolphins who their only healthy player in the secondary was Jalen Ramsey and Jalen Ramsey had a real tough time trying to guard Rasheed Rice and also get schemed open on some of these other plays but yeah it was a tough tough game for them to kind of navigate and work through on the defensive side of the ball. Kansas City moves on. Kansas City had so many things. This feels a little bit sporadic, just kind of throwing stuff at the wall here. But I feel like we hit on the the, the most important points here that I wanted to drive home, which was the nerdy 
Tariq Hill versus Trent McDuffie stuff. Kansas City getting six red zone trips compared to the zero. The Dolphins offense going 0 for 7 on third downs. Dolphins defense just having no pass rush at their disposal. And having no pass rush at their disposal meant Mahomes had as much time as he had before. They could execute plays because guys were getting open when they had long time available to work with. And, uh, When Kansas City had long time available to work with, they decided we are throwing exclusively to Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey, who had more yards of receiving by themselves than Tua Tagovailoa had passing yards in the entire game. Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey, 15 catches, uh, 201 receiving yards. Tua Tagovailoa, 20 completions, 199 passing yards. Kansas City smoked them. That's all the nerdy football analysis that I have. Some of the other funny things that just went on for that game. One, cold-ass football in cold-ass Kansas City was great. White people were shirtless because white people see an opportunity to get frostbite and want to show that they too can brave the elements. I think that I think that one Viking guy <laughs> when the Seahawks played the Vikings a few years ago and Blair Walsh missed the 32-yard field goal, when that one Viking fan showed up shirtless to the negative 6-degree game in Minnesota, I think that started a trend for cold games having shirtless fans, but more specifically having shirtless white people. Because that dude at uh, that dude at the Viking playoff game in 2015 feels like a trendsetter in hindsight now because that dude ended up having an amazing, amazing time at that game, became a living legend, and now you had like three dudes in Miami hats and Miami uh, beanies, shirtless, frostbitten out at that Kansas City versus Miami game. If not for like obligations. I would have totally bought a $100 plane ticket, flown to Kansas City, gone to that $45 game, bought a $100 hotel room, made a $350 trip out of it, done content from the road. Maybe we would have had some sponsors come through and put together that incredible podcast. I mean, it just was so silly and so fun and so cold that we had Taylor Swift doing the swag surf. That was that was the that was the funniest moment for me. I think was was Taylor Swift doing the swag surf on the 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 Dolphins who were essentially down for the count by that point. It was just absolutely incredible, absolutely funny to watch in real time. God, it was just there's so many so much funny, so much good stuff coming out of that game. My my favorite post that I had at the end of the game, and it's it's so. You guys know my history if you've been listening to the podcast long enough. But if you're new to this thing, we grew up in San Diego. When we grew up in San Diego, we rooted for the Chargers. Chargers left San Diego when I was 17 years old. Stopped, or sorry, 16 years old actually. Because when I turned 17 a year and a half later, started rooting for Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes was very fun and very cool. 
started rooting for Kansas City. Kansas City won the Super Bowl in 2019. Been a supporter of Kansas City ever since because I love me some Patrick Mahomes. Big Daddy Patty had himself a hell of a game. And he now has 12 career playoff wins. Now his sixth season as Kansas City quarterback. Sixth season as Kansas City quarterback. Patrick Mahomes has 12 career playoff wins. The entire Charger franchise history has 12. And that includes the 1950 or sorry 1961 AFL championship. So if you just do Super Bowl era, 11 playoff wins for the Chargers in the last 60 years. If you were a 55-year-old Charger fan who decided to stop rooting for the Chargers when they left San Diego, did what I did and started rooting for Patrick Mahomes when Patrick Mahomes won MVP in 2018, then you too, you too, would have seen as many playoff victories in the last 12 years than the Chargers have had in their entire 55-year history of fandom that you rooted for the Chargers. You would have seen more playoff wins in the last six years than the 55-year history of the Chargers. It is excellent, it is silly, and Patrick Mahomes delivered, delivered a 12th playoff win with Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes and Donna Kelsey all doing the swag surf and beating that ass of the Miami Dolphins to get a playoff win. Will they end up playing Buffalo next? Most likely. Will they be able to beat Buffalo? I have no idea. They have to go on the road to play Buffalo. Why? Because Kadarius Tony's ass lined up offsides. If Kadarius Tony didn't line up offside, Kansas City would have been hosting Buffalo in next week's playoff game. But now Kansas City has to go to Buffalo, a better defense who will be able to get a pass rush on Patrick Mahomes and more likely than not have receivers who will be able to be schemed open against Trent McDuffie, Legereus Sneed, Drew Tranquil, Nick Bolton, and that Kansas City secondary and linebacking unit that was so incredibly effective against the Miami Dolphins but was not as incredibly effective on the flip side this time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in to another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast and Wired Up. Our playoff recaps are back, baby. NFL Monday is coming at you tomorrow after the Rams, Lions, and the Cowboys versus Packers games. We'll probably have two individual episodes, assuming both of those games are going to be awesome and fun and we'll have stuff to break down. We'll do two individual episodes tomorrow for our NFL Monday wild card recap. It's going to be so fantastic and so fun. I am so excited to be here with you guys. I am so freaking excited. We're going to have a fantastic day. We're going to have a fantastic time. I look forward to seeing you again soon. And uh, remember, ladies and gentlemen, as we have told you every year for the past four years, the Miami Dolphins have not won a playoff game since T-Pain recreated the Miami Dolphin 1970s fight song back in 2007. Make it 
17 years running without a Dolphins playoff victory. Take it easy, everybody. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube